Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Who is the greatest of all time? You know, uh, back when I was a kid, there was no doubt it was Muhammad Ali. He was the greatest of all time. Uh, He had 56 heavyweight fights, and uh, some of them are are among the most memorable boxing matches in the history of the sport. Um, And if you didn't believe he was the greatest of all time, you just have to listen to him. He would tell you, right? He said, I'm the greatest of all time. That's my Ali impression. But um, (laughs) it seems to me that Americans are obsessed with greatness. We elevate sports heroes to levels of greatness. Movie stars and social media people are become great these days, you know. Um, And, um, you know, uh, when I was young, I dreamed of being great. When I was a young boy, like 14 years old, I dreamed of being um, a country, uh, country music star. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play the guitar, be a country music star. Really what I wanted specifically was to be the lead guitar player for Merle Haggard. It was a very specific aspiration. Um, and, um, and so I bought Merle's albums right, right when they came out. Uh, and I had jobs that I did, and I would buy records. And, and I would sit in front of my record player, you know, that's back when they had record players, and with my guitar, and I would put the needle on the song and let it play a bit, then I'd take it off, and I would play it, and I'd put it back on over and over and over and over again. My family got sick of hearing Merle Haggard tunes coming out of my room. Um, and then... Uh, and then Eventually, I became a pretty good lead guitar player, played in a band, and um, while, but while I uh, got pretty good, I never became great. In fact, over time, I began to learn that there really wasn't uh, much call or limited demand anyway for 14-year-old lead guitar players who specialize in Merle Haggard tunes. Um, it was a hard lesson, but I had to learn it. My, uh, my story's really not that unusual, though. Uh, for most of us, we have childhood notions of greatness that start fading over time. Uh, while many of us may manage to be pretty good at something, um, the truth is very few of us ever become great at something, right? True greatness. Um, greatness in any field of endeavor is really limited to an extraordinary few. Um, and um, greatness is really out of reach for most, the vast majority of us. Uh, in today's gospel passage, it seems like the disciples had their own aspirations of greatness. Just one chapter ago in Mark chapter 9, the disciples were having this argument about which one among them was the greatest disciple. Mark doesn't really give us any details about the argument, except that it was an argument and that Jesus won the argument, like he usually did. Uh, and um, he, told, he won the argument when he said this, uh, that if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. 
And apparently this idea of greatness didn't go over that well with the disciples because only one chapter later, the very next chapter in Mark, this issue comes up again. And I love Matthew's version of this. Uh, In Matthew, James and John were afraid to approach Jesus again. So you know what they did? They sent their mom. They, They sent their mom to ask Jesus the question. And this time they wanted Jesus to elevate them to the places of greatness in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, Jesus doesn't, though, scold them for their aspirations of greatness. In fact, Jesus knew that it was a human, basic human tendency to, to, to want or dream of greatness. And instead of slamming the door on their dreams, he actually takes their door and throws it wide open to them and says, uh, with the strategy really for anyone who wants to be great in the kingdom, when he said this, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Jesus' plan for greatness is sure different than the world's plan for greatness, isn't it? If you want to be great, be a servant or a slave. I mean, I can understand what would motivate a person to worldly greatness, things like fame, fortune, power, accomplishment. I can see see people, and I've even been there dreaming of attaining those things, But, but humility, sacrifice, service, even slavery? Let's be honest about that. How many of us spend our youth thinking about if I could only grow up to be a slave to someone? I mean, that's not really how we look to greatness. And if servanthood is the way to kingdom greatness, what's our motivation to be behind it? What's going to motivate us to servanthood or to slavery? Again, Jesus gives the answer in verse 45. He said this, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the role model, the power, the motivation for service in this world. The premise is really simple. If you've been served by Jesus, if you've been forgiven by him, touched by him, healed by him, if you've ever been blessed by Jesus, comforted or guided in any way, if you are a different person at all today because the Lord Jesus lives in your heart by faith, then you already have the motivation to serve right there. We serve because we've been served by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. True Christian servants are usually motivated by promises of worldly greatness. Instead, Christian servants are motivated by the great love and service that Jesus has given them. Um, every year, I'm always amused at the way that Hollywood actors go to, straight, go to such great lengths to pat themselves on the back about things. Um, you have the Oscars, you have the Emmys, you have the People's Choice Awards, Screen Actors Guild Awards, various Lifetime Achievement Awards. Um, in fact, They're so busy awarding themselves, it makes you wonder when they have time to work, right? Um, And um, I wonder, though, if the kingdom of God were to gather together and uh, and have its Academy Awards, the Academy Awards of the kingdom of God, 
What would it look like? Who would be up for the greatest performance of a Christian in a serving role? Who would get that? You know, immediately we tend to think of the, of the kind of Mount Rushmore Christians, you know, the big ones, uh, the Apostle Paul, the martyrs. Um, I think about Martin Luther, John Wesley, Billy Graham. Um, you know, those, those uh, famous visible Christians. Uh, and I think that they will all be there. They'll all be there and, and getting crowns in the kingdom of heaven. Um, but also think that some of the awards for greatness will be handed out to some su- surprising people. People like husbands and wives who faithfully serve each other day after day and their children day after day, year after year. Uh, out of their love for each other and their love for Jesus. They'll be there. Uh, How about believers who give freely but privately to support the causes of the church at home and around the world? They'll be there. Special awards, to me, always special awards have to go to children's Sunday school teachers, right? That's special awards in the kingdom. and to youth group sponsors and confirmation teachers, people that work with kids um, for the sole purpose of hoping that one child will, will listen and come to faith in Jesus and be eternally rewarded themselves. Um, and there will be countless others in supporting roles in the kingdom uh, who, are, who are given places of honor, those who welcome strangers, visit prisoners, those who uh, comfort the sick, the hurting, the lonely, those who feed people, who tend to wit- widows and orphans, those who just offer an encouraging word to someone who's going through a hard time, those who offer clothing and shelter, these unnamed thousands, probably millions of people who every day just serve simply in response to the great love that they've received from the Lord Jesus Christ on a daily basis. People whose hearts have been touched and in response, spontaneously out of love, say, I want to serve you because you've served me, Jesus. Um, So the question today is, have you been served by the Lord Jesus? Have you been served by him? Does Jesus make any difference at all in your life? Does Jesus make a difference? Um, If not, then you're off the hook here. You don't have to worry about it. Well, you have other worries, but that's another sermon. Uh, But if Jesus has served you and, um, and your heart is compelling you to respond, then ask him to give you the power and to show you the way to serve. And he'll do it if you just simply ask him. Opportunities to serve are everywhere around us if we'll just open our eyes and ask Jesus to lead us. You know, we may not be able to achieve greatness in this life. And after all, earthly greatness is only temporary, isn't it? Earthly greatness will be gone before long. But when you serve with yourself and your time and your possessions out of your love for Jesus, you'll enter into eternal greatness when you enter into the kingdom of heaven. And eternal kingdom greatness 
is far greater and far above and beyond anything that this world could possibly ever offer you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.